Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out I was thinking, uh, since we talked about live shows last week, this week we'd talk about live albums. Well, why don't you kick us off, Josh? You started Ooh, okay. it. Okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll kick you off with one. I, I've always loved the Grand Funk Railroad live album. Uh, oh, yeah? I don't know if I know it that one. It is so rocking and just so unexpected. I mean, not unexpected because they're a great band, but like... There's a song called Heartbreaker on that live album that is so good. Not that Led Zeppelin Heartbreaker. Nice. Um, there's so many good ones, but one that sticks out, like when I was a kid, I remember listening to it so much. It was that Doors uh, in concert where it starts ah. out with Roadhouse Blues and the, and the announcer's so like, ladies and gentlemen from Los Angeles, California, The Doors. So good. It's... I don't love every single track on it as much as some folks do, but the best ones um, on uh, "Get Your Yayas Out" by the Stones, the uh, <laughs> the good ones are so so good. Especially the the Midnight Rambler on there is the one you hear even on the Hot Rocks, even on the best of. They play that live version, and then the uh, the the Street Fighting Man on there made me see the the Stones in just a totally different light. Okay, so. Um, when I think about that, that's one of my least favorite live albums. It's hit like, and miss, but the good shit is um, phenomenal. I just, but I need to I need to come back to it because I I remember I used to listen to it uh, a long time ago. We used to play it at a restaurant I worked at, and I'd always be like, God, they sound so sloppy. God, it's just. Um, I, but I think there's probably high highs and low lows on some of it. They just probably if I listen to it now, just the character of them, and I and I'm more familiar with their whole deal. I think the problem with it is. The songs that I looked forward to hearing when I read the the track list, they're not the best versions. But there are other songs that when I listen to the album version, I don't love them. But on there, they just take on like I don't really love Street Fight Man the the album version. But on there, it's like the Mick Taylor, sh- and it's like it's so much yeah. fun. Yeah, it's great. Um, I would say my the second live album that comes to mind would be Pearl Jam Live on Two Legs, hmm. which came out like '98, and it has just like the given to fly on that and i mean it pretty much has the elderly woman if you've ever heard elderly woman behind the counter it's probably from the live on on two legs and, and it's just I mean, except so for the album version that we all heard I, I i don't even know if i've ever heard the album oh version God. i really I, I I, it's, it's just that live i just want to hear the one from live on two legs well it's funny because that for that one like a year or two they just released like every show yeah and there's yeah. I have a Jones Beach show from that that's really good. So they're, this they're, was back in '98. This was like well before they started doing that. Where like they had the XM station. That's about when I saw them. That's about when I saw them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say certainly one of the arguably one of the best of all time is Band of Gypsies. So, yeah. so yeah. I oh, mean, my God, yes. it's just <laughs> oh, and God, like you yes. you wouldn't ever want to hear those songs recorded. Like it, it, that is the recorded version. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember in college, like the band I was playing with, they're like, "We should play that." And I'm like, "You tell me what to play, and we'll play that." 
Like, I have no idea what to fucking play in this song. Like, <laughs> My mom what? had that album, and I was like, what is this? And I put it in, I was like, ugh, this is phenomenal. This is <laughs> good shit, is what it is. <laughs> this is good shit, Mom. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. Uh, I've always loved Jimmy, but I remember at a college party one time, someone put this on, just turned it all the way up, and everyone just started dancing. And like since then, I think New Year's, a couple years ago, I, I planned it out to put the record on right at midnight. I was like, I'm going to recreate that moment. Well, it, it starts out with a... Yeah, right? I think so. What, yeah, what's, changes. What's that name? Yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah, like every country changes. song I've ever heard. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what you're saying. Jonathan, you got another one? No. No. Um, <laughs> you're, just, you're just sticking with Yaya's? <laughs> Is there another one? No. Um, I mean, it's kind of on the nose. I mean, the song remains the same. It's definitely like. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you hear the album, if you watch the, the movie, like Jimmy Page went back in there and cleaned some stuff up. And some of it was a bit messy. But that 26 minute Dazed and Confused is. They get into some shit in there. That, that Zeppelin was a jam band when they needed to be. And it was fucking mm-hmm. badass. And Because yeah. Jimmy Page was all smacked out. But like. John Paul Jones and John Bonham were so tight that he could be super loose, and it's just like, you talk about fucking cold bacon and hot lettuce. <laughs> they do that shit on Communication <laughs> Breakdown as well, but I, does BBC Sessions qualify as a live album? Sure. sure. Yeah. Because I would rather hear that than any well, other Well, the live best album. songs of that are better than the best songs on, but I think Song of Main Singing has, that, that, that uh, Traveling Riverside Blues on there is maybe the best live rock and roll full stop. It's it's it so doesn't good. Make it doesn't make sense how good it is. Josh, is the BBC the one you always tell the story about where you're driving through the Delta? Um, that was the, my introduction to Zeppelin was BBC sessions, okay. and I was obsessed with it. But you're probably talking about my buddy and I were smoking a joint in the in like driving down 49 in the Delta, like in the middle of cotton fields, and it was the first time we listened to "Shine On You Crazy okay, Diamond," okay, and it. <laughs> it just we were so stoned, you know, that it's just quiet and it's just down, down, yeah. down, and it waits, and then like we're just lost, and then all of a sudden my buddy just slams on brakes because there was this like Pinto in front of us going like ten miles per hour on the freeway. Yeah, <laughs> and, and just me. real quick, and just like, <laughs> it's not one of my favorites, but if we're talking about live albums, Pulse has to be at least just mentioned. Yeah, uh, I mean it's definitely cool. And it was so pulsed. cool. Just back in the day, that CD that had the little like LED light yeah. that that pulsed. Was like, oh, in, in freshman year in college, with pulse, pulse was playing a yeah. lot in in our dorm. Yeah, room. mine too. Uh huh. So, so, so let let's each list one more. I would say Neil, you'll take Pulse as your last one. No, you're no, done. no, I don't no. like. I don't that was like. Just an honorable like. mention. My last <laughs> one is Russ Never Sleeps. That's a good well, one. Okay. So so good. I mean, I. And just just the whole production of that show, just kind of him and those big amps behind him, kind of almost like the show we saw where he plays some just acoustic and brings out a band, and it's great. I can't say just once. I'm going to say two real quick. Uh, either ba- Babylon by Bus, the Marley shit, which is incredible, and Waylon Live, or Waylon Jennings Live. Waylon Live very, is, very, is he outstanding. He is shit-faced by, at some <laughs> points in that show. just and you oh. watch, you can see a video of that, and he's just. But it's ugh. funny, man. You want to hear a wild audience? The country audiences in the '70s, man, like they were there at a party. It was so rambunctious, so yeah, much fun. Absolutely, I I would say just real quick before I list my last one, Neil. I would prefer Neil Young Unplugged over Rust Never Sleeps, honestly. Um, but sure, they're different. You know, neither here nor there. Uh, I would say my last one is easy one. It's Fillmore East Almonds. Yeah, oh yeah, love yeah, listening to that anytime. That's a- 
just every song on that on that album is yeah it's so good and one more i just i can't believe i didn't write it down because i thought it would be brought up for sure is uh Folsom. yeah i had that in my mind but it seems like a but here's the thing about Folsom. i have the record and like all the way through not not every song is great there's a lot of him talking and like like I, I would say, like if you're looking for like an old musician who like did a live record somewhere, as BB King in the Cook County Jail, it fucking it lights out. There, there's another BB King live album too. Oh, oh, Willie and Family Live is real good. Willie Nelson, like that's a if you don't have that or haven't heard that, like um, go get it. It's probably my favorite Willie Nelson album. Cool. Well, Merle saw him. It was it at Folsom or San, San Quentin? Quentin? That's right. Merle was in the audience. <laughs> And on that note, you are listening to Podcast Rock and Roll to you. And um, apropos of nothing we've been discussing uh, before, this week we will be talking about the Mamas and the Papas or the Five Royales originally dedicated to the one I love. Keeping uh, in form, I definitely heard this as a child on the oldie station in the Mississippi Delta 95.5, giving it a shout-out, although it doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but but it's been, like, this song, I've always known it, but it really has just come back into my consciousness through various, like, TV shows and movies I've watched in the last, like, 10 years, I want to say. I know it was in an episode of Shit's Creek. Uh, I remember, and then there's a couple more I just can't really, like, from four or five years ago that I can't... There was a movie that was in, it was in the final trailer that I was just like, oh my god, this song. Mid-90s it was in, which was great. So yeah, I probably recognize it from that as well. As with other songs that I pick, it is a vibe I want to be in for a little bit. Imbibe. It's a vibe, it's a vibe I want to imbibe. Shout, shout out to our friends at uh, Imbibe the Vibe Podcast. But like, this, it's such a sweet song in the way that the Mamas and Papas do it, even though it's originally by the Five Inch Royales. I think it's um, just quotes. It's in quotes. Yeah, quotes. It's not the it's not Five, the five inch. inch. It's the Five <laughs> Royales. It's not the Five Inch Royales. <laughs> the Five Inch. I didn't see the I didn't see the opening quote on there. Oh my God. There was an opening quote. I did not see the opening quote. I just thought it was the Five Inch Royales. Uh. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, Jonathan, look, what do you think? Look, look, about anyway, this song? anyway, it's th- this it, this this song is <laughs> I can't believe you said that and didn't catch it when you said it. Uh so whatever. Uh the <laughs> So That's amazing. So the last thing I'll say about like the, the song is it's basically the mamas and papas turn it into like a really quirky lullaby. It's all about how they use the vocals, and they use musicians from the Wrecking Crew, and they fucking kill it. And it's 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 a short and sweet, great little tune. I mean, to me, uh, I've kind of this song's always been as my in my consciousness as long as I can remember, just because I love that era. Watch a lot of documentaries about it, you know, different music things, and they inevitably come up. It's a great song. It's a, I think it's a good song. The performance is incredible, and to me, this song just one of those things that just automatically defines the 60s it's almost like forest mm-hmm, gumpy mm-hmm. I mean, it's not in forest gump but it's that yeah. kind of thing it's gumpy and, yeah it's a little gump, got a little gump in it and um but it's just fantastic it's just it's just an amazing sound i think it's a good song but the overall 
sound is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, how can you not love this rendition? Like it's, it's definitely the definitive version. I mean, we'll get into the other versions. I think after listening to it, there's some different opinions. I think it's, it's similar to a uh, whiter shade of pale. Like I feel like it was almost nostalgic as soon as it was recorded. It has that vibe to it. Almost like, um, it almost has the sound of like moon river or something like that. Like it's very mystical. It puts you in a good place. And I think, uh, hands down, it's the best song about long distance relationships. Now, now I may contest that. I'm not, I, I can't confirm or deny that, that, that declaration or whatever. Declaration, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a good one. It's a real good one. Well, speaking of, and yeah, I don't think it's a long list, but yeah, I, you know, it, <laughs> yeah, we'll agree that it's at the top for now. And speaking of declarations, the song, like if you listen to the original by the five Royales and, or even the, for, yes, the next, you got it. And then, the, or even the next cover, the co- first cover by the Shirelles. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're basically straight up R and B songs that are not that memorable from the era. And other than other than the Shirelles have great vocals, and the Five Inch Royales. Are, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus, the Five dude. the Five Royales. Yeah, please just keep calling them the Five Inch Royales. Just every time you do it, it makes me happy. Oh, I was watching the video of their thing on YouTube, and it was showing different album covers. One of them, one on the album cover, it said "Hard but Fair," and I was like, "That sounds like something new." <laughs> on that, what album? On the Five Royales, that? you know, especially <laughs> if you're saying Five Inch Royales, that's fucking hilarious. Like hard <laughs> but fair. I'm like, what? Okay, okay, what okay. Context so, does that apply for? So if you if you listen to the Five Royales, that there's a really nice guitar uh, playing on on that version. And then the Shirelles have excellent vocals, but in terms of just the song itself, it's really kind of a milk toast R and B song that is not a standout for the, what was being put out in the era. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was strange to hear such a Motown song that doesn't live up to, like, a bunch of hippies doing it. They really took this song to the place it should have been. Like, after listening all week, I love, um, there's the definitive version, Mamas and the Papas, but the Five Royales. Really? Like, that is a, I think from now on, I'll listen to that more often than... Well, you're going to hear the other one. Yes, I mean, because the guitar, the guitar is so cool, and... Uh, because it's the original, like I do not, yeah, not like good. the um, the Shirelles version that much at all. I think it's forgettable. Um, but I think there's two versions to talk about: Mamas and the Papas and the original. It just takes it, it. It's so much bluesier, you know. And and the fact that I just listened to the Mamas and the Papas version so much that now the the original has so much more meaning because I actually found out that was, you know, the original. Yeah, I mean it's cool. I mean I think this shows you the influence the beach boys had on rock and roll especially in southern california because this sounds like i mean a lot of their songs started out saying sounded like chuck berry or having that kind of rock and roll r&b ish kind of vibe and the, but then they would add all the harmonies this shows you the power you know of production and uh vocal arrangement and yeah because i agree the, the other versions are good uh but they're there are other songs of those genres that i think are better whereas with this one there's not a, hardly a better vocal 60s tune, you know. This song was written by Loman Pauling, who also wrote Think and Tell the Truth, which were other hits for 
think for Ike and Tina Turner and Tell the Truth yeah. for James, James Brown. And uh, and also by Ralph Ralph Bass, <laughs> who who okay. also was a writer and producer for Please, Please, Please by James Brown. So the original was released in 57. And like, like, like you said, Neil, I mean, like the five Royales is cool because of the guitar part, because it's R&B. But what I love about the Mamas and the Papas is the melody itself is if you listen to the Shirelles or the five Royales, it's not like, you know, we talked about Under the Boardwalk. It's not like that. It's not next level melodically. And if you read the lyric to me, because the Mamas and the Papas turn it into somewhat of like almost like a, an adult lullaby, it reads like that. And if you, but if you listen to the earlier yeah, versions yeah. of it, it's almost just like a, a kind of like a run of the mill love song of that era that they turn into something completely different. So that's why I think their version is, is so much better. I think the Mamas and the Papas did the best version of the melody. I think they brought the melody uh-huh. to its greatest point, why it's the definitive version. But I, it's, it's a weird song. The, the funny thing about the song writing is just how it, like, I don't know what they're trying to say, like, because when they go to, if there's one thing I want you to do, especially for me, something that everybody needs, and something, and, and it gets so dramatic, something that everybody needs, and it's just like, whisper a prayer and talk to the stars. Kind of, I can't decide whether that's ridiculous or a nice sentiment. Pray for me and look at the stars and think of me, which sounds nice on paper, but is it a little too cheesy? I don't it's a little syrupy, but it's fifty-seven too. But it you know, followed so. that. It's followed by this is dead. Like this prayer and these whispers are dedicated to the one I love. Like that is the that little tag is what kind of makes it less syrupy. Which I think it's cool because it it uses that line sure. before songs were dedicated on the radio. Because it almost feels like this is dedicated to the one I love. Like that's almost what you say before you hear a song, not. In the chorus. Well, it, they, they, in some of the versions, they say that line first. Well, so in the original, yeah. in the Shirelles version, they also, they do that bluesy, this is dedicated, they made that opening statement. It's almost like a, it's almost like a fanfare. It's almost like a book. Yeah, exactly. But, but then what they, what they don't do that the mamas and papas do is they don't, like you were saying, Josh, they don't lean into that melody as hard because actually the guitar, as cool as it is, it's kind of interrupting the attention of the melody. It gets in, it's kind of cluttering it up. The guitar cool. overwhelms the song. It deteriorates from the focus of the song. And so with the Mamas and the Papas, they, they just lean hardcore into that melody and let, let it shine because it's great. Just on the songwriting, yeah. I love that they used the line, it's darkest just before the dawn, which is a great classic line. And I looked up like where that came from. And it's just this English writer, Thomas Fuller, who appeared to use it. It has a long title. I don't know. In 1650, he used this and says, it is always darkest just before the doneth. It's a great line to, to pluck and put into your song, you know. Cool. For sure. And well, Ch- Churchill, always, Churchill basically used this one as well. And the darkest hour is just before the dawn, which is what they're saying in this yeah. in this version. So, yeah, I mean, I, my favorite like part of the lyric is the, I actually like that each night before you go to bed to <laughs> this dedicated for the one I love. I, I think it's, it's super sweet if you're thinking about it in terms of a lullaby, which in my mind, it is. I mean, I don't think any of the lines in and of themselves, apart from the uh, melody, are especially amazing. But in terms of the context of the song, my favorite part uh, on the Mamas and Papas version is when they're doing the kind of high falsetto love can never be exactly like we want it to be. And then it goes into the minory 
I could be satisfied knowing they really get a lot of cool contrast in there between the high yes. oh, major yeah. falsetto yes. and the belty minor. It's just the dynamics of this song are so cool. Yeah. And John, John, I mean, well, Lou Adler produced it and John Phillips did the arrangement, uh, who is a member of the Mamas and Papas. And the way they arranged this song is so fucking good. Yes. They really took, you know, what the original was and made it a different song. I mean, this is a different song yeah, than yeah. the Five it de- Royale. It song. definitely sounds so much different. I love the way that it comes in so soft and then just they bring everything in. Like they bring in thick harmonies and kind of just that almost immediate where they fuck with the rhythm. It's not a time change at all, but like where it's just like they come in and then suddenly it's like bum 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 each night before you go to bed. Each night before you go to bed, my baby whisper a little The funny thing about the song is that they made the choice to have Michelle Phillips instead of Mama Cass sing the lead again contributes to the lullaby aspect of it because her voice is so hesitant and vulnerable at the beginning and then everybody comes in and it kind of creates that like feeling of togetherness and like you're not alone and there is somebody out there and and you know it just they, they almost kind of send the message of the song through how they arrange and who's singing and when they're singing and yeah and how they're singing and just one funny note to tag onto that is the Shirelles version was also, they used the, the second lead, Doris uh, Coley Kenner's. It's just funny that uh, in two bands that sang it, like the, the second lead took it. Yeah, I don't know, maybe it's just for the delicate nature of the, uh, of the vibe. About the arrangement, I mean, John Phillips, was, that was his thing, obviously. He's incredible, I mean, vocally, between California Dreamin'. I mean, they have so many songs that are amazing. And there's a story he had told, and this may be bullshit. It it wouldn't surprise me if it was because one of the dudes from Oasis told a similar story, and it's kind of it feels like they're (laughs) trying to create like a legend or whatever. But um, he said that when he was a kid, like a toddler, like one of his like uncles was tossing him up in the air and catching him, and he threw him up one time, and uh, somebody called the guy's name, and he looked and like forgot to catch the baby which was john phillips and he said he hit his head really hard and he said since then he always heard stuff in harmonies now i don't know if i believe that (laughs) but that's i've seen him tell that story so that's kind of interesting on the arrangement uh side of that and this song is all arrangement other than that one like little change that you were talking about earlier jonathan the life can never be exactly what i could be satisfied knowing that you love me i i love how they do the each night before da 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 Jonathan, what do you what do you call that? Those hits? Yeah, like because because it feels just, like a time change, but it's not. It's just they're hitting they're a just different. Very, they're just very staccato and say that 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 they just hit. But it, it feels and, like it feels like almost like slow motion. It's like each night before you boom boom. You know, it like it they. It definitely bum, just, bum, it's bum, such bum. a big part of this performance. Like, without that, I don't know what this would be. Well, it's definitely, it's definitely an example of the whole, like, hot bacon, cold lettuce situation because it's so melodic and flowy. Yes. Because it's so da, 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 da. Well, and it's like, you're getting the best of both yeah. worlds. I think this whole song is a lot of, uh, a lot of that. 
cold le- or cold lettuce hot bacon. You can uh, the the voices are doubled up. It's two vocal tracks, which is something that unless you're listening for it, you don't hear. It's such a good trick because so many people use it. But if you listen, you can tell it's two Michelle, uh, whatever her name is, singing that. And it's funny that I noticed that the guitar, the 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 acoustic guitar is only in the left left side of the stereo. stereo. Yeah. And then and then everything comes in comes into that right ear. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, but what you're saying, like the, from the beginning though, it, it's so funny that it really does kind of mix that straight up like acoustic Southern Cal Laurel Canyon sound. That that first is just an acoustic guitar and her kind of vulnerable vocal, and then you hear that everybody comes in. There's like a pretty heavy bass line that comes mm-hmm, in first, mm-hmm. and then all the voices, and then there's that kind of I don't even know is that like a jug band or like a no, ragtime piano. Keyboard. Yeah, it's like ragtime. a ragtime piano. Yeah, which is it's with which the, is so uh, the pins, the pins in it, the tacks, the tacks on the keys, on the so heads. Yeah. Like it attacks the strings heavier. Like it's so cool. Banjo-y, D- you know. Dylan used it, that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. The little breakdown towards the end of the song, the little the little musical break with that piano is so kick ass. Oh yeah, and yeah. So perfect for this it's, song. Yeah, it really. It's, and the darkest hour. That and those little those little staccato hits are kind of make the song musically. Well, it's, it's cool to have that me. the the ragtime piano and there's a harpsichord in the background too, just just hitting a lot of notes. <laughs> Maybe too many. You mentioned them earlier, and uh, the Wrecking Crew, which is like the the all the all the session musicians who played on this and everything else that came out in that time period, just like the best musicians you're ever going to find. There's a really cool documentary on them, either on Netflix or Amazon prime. And like, these are the guys that played on the birds and they played on the beach boys and they just played on everything. And they probably did those. They probably did this song in one or two takes. Cause they're just the, probably the best pop musicians ever. I mean, those guys and like the funk brothers at Motown and stuff. And then some of the, session guys at stacks but like we're talking like for folks who don't know um obviously there are a lot of famous folks who are very talented musicians and they usually push something forward to do something new but in terms of just technicians to get in there and be there's nobody better than people like this in terms of just sheer ability to play music it's just like as top notch as it gets just like side note i'm curious like have you ever heard anything about them touring do they tour like are they I've never, I mean, I don't know that they did or didn't. I've just never heard anything about, oh, we no, were on tour with I mean, the Mamas and the Papas. No, and trying to look at, um, look up videos, there, there's not much of them playing live at all. And anything you do is on Ed Sullivan or a, a comparable show, and they aren't playing. Right. It's just the track, and they're on stage. Karaoke. With like, with like olive green and orange on. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, but, but even, even on this track, I mean, they're all vocals except for John Phillips is credited as playing some guitar on it. Probably the acoustic guitar. I, I would also say that Denny Doherty, Cassette, Mama Cass Elliot, John Phillips and Michelle Phillips are the mamas and papas. You also have Hal Blaine playing drums and percussion, Larry Nectel on the keyboards, uh, Jim Horn, flute and saxophone, Joe Osborne on bass and uh, Dr. Eric Horde on guitar. Uh, Gary Coleman does some stuff and PF Sloan as well. Just yeah, to round Gary out. Coleman. Well, to to that point, I must say that talk about. it must have been a brain trust to put it together. But this was the opener on their album Deliver, which is it's a great album opener. You know what I mean? Because it starts soft 
it basically shows you everything right away. Within the first minute, you get everything. It's by far the best song on the album. And they also do two or three other covers of of R&B songs. They do a My Girl and Twist and yeah, Shout. And this good. song is so much better than those other <laughs> attempts is this at covering song better those songs. Than fucking everyone's getting fat, set Mama Cass. So yes. Good. It's this it's song a, is so much better than no, whatever no, that's it's, called. It's, it's much, got a weird it's so name. So much better, but Creek Alley. I, I yeah, don't know if it's better out. than I Call Your Name or Monday Monday or California Dreaming. Like those those are, are not on this album. Are you just talking about the album? I'm, I'm just talking about, about this my album. Mamas and Papas in general. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monday Monday is great. It's uh, Well, it's another one of those songs that speaks to like the nostalgia. It's like it just sounds like yeah. AM radio so, but, but at the, the time, 60s. this was a newer sound. I mean, maybe other than like oh, yeah, the Beach Boys. But even then, it was a little different than the Beach Boys because you had two female vocalists. But it defined the era. It's literally era defined yeah. stuff. Yeah, and just their sound. It's it's lights out. It's so good. I feel like we we haven't given enough conversation to that keyboard breakdown. And going into that out, <laughs> and then it. going into it. that outro of the dedicated when they just stop and it's like this, whisper a little prayer for me, my baby, and tell all the stars above, and then everything just fades. This dedicated to the one I love, and whoever sings that little line, and then they all kind of have their turn with the this dedicated. This is dedicated to the one I love. This is dedicated. Well, yeah, and even like the the solo sounds like something from like a kind of silent western, like like that's what the keyboard sounds like. It sounds like cinematic. it does, but it also feeds the lullaby feeling of the song. Of all, it, it it's it's very, uh, shall I say? I, well, actually, I don't want to say it's a dreamscape. It's just dreamy. It's just no, dreamy. It's, the first thing, the first thing I wrote down about this song is talk about a dreamscape. That sounds like an ice cream flavor. Wait, are you talking about dreamscape? Does or dedicated yes. to the one I love? Dreamscape. Because dedicated what to the one I love. Sounds like a pretty good ice cream flavor. <laughs> you want some of that ice cream? I can, I can hear in your voice. You I'll, want some of that ice cream? I want some right of that now. ice cream right now. Um, <laughs> unless it has cream. coconut in it, and then I'm out. But <laughs> you don't want any coconut in your love. I don't want any coconut in my love. I can do without the coconut. You don't. You don't put the lime in the coconut. I don't. I, I, I oh my do God. not put the lime I don't in the want coconut. It. Okay, I try to recognize um. sentences I've never heard anyone say in my life, just for the like the creativity of it. Because most sentences people say, you've heard a very, you've heard it. I've never sure. heard anyone say, I don't want the coconut in my love. I've never heard anybody say that in my life. So I just want to take a second well, to recognize that. Thank you. Thank you, my Josh. Pleasure. I'm glad it's to contribute things, to man. your... It's little things. I'm tr- glad to contribute to your quirks. To, to move into the production, this is produced by the Lou Adler, who is a Los Angeles staple. And most people know him now from... He's a guy who sat next to Jack Nicholas at all the Laker games for all those years with like the sunglasses and the white beard jack nicholson i mean he put on like monterey pop i think he produced sam cook cheech and chong yeah he's definitely kind of like rocky horror he he i think he owned a lot of the places on the strip and Um, yet he's not famous enough to get recognized which means he's probably the smartest guy in the history of and he he produced carol king's tapestry which is one of the he's crazy involved and i would assume this is him Probably some of John Phillips, but like there are some pauses in the song that are really effective. 
with mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. that's going on. Like where there, there's a lot of quiet and then loud and then there's some quiet again and then loud and then there's quicker bursts of that as well. Them doing this song could have been a train wreck, but they made it just amazing. I can see this going wrong. Taking the Motown and making it more Summer of Love kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder who decided to do this. This almost sounds like a label decision. It almost sounds like a, you guys should do this song, you're going to do this song, you're going to do it like this, get in there and sing. And I must say, this sounds like a good label decision. Oh, it does. Like, it, because it sounds. you almost think of it negatively when you say label decision, but sometimes they know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. But if, that, but if that's the case, they also told them to cover Twist and Shout and My Girl, which are horrible covers on this but album. But you know why they do that? Just, just, just throwing throw darts against the wall. Because they already had well, this one in the can. Right, right, just, <laughs> just have more songs on the record, so they have to buy the whole record. Sure, sure. But the fact that the fact that the production is the most important thing, and they didn't write the song, it makes me think <laughs> that maybe this wasn't. It could have been their decision, but, but they were definitely arguably part of the arra- but, but they John Phillips arranged it. They, they were obviously part of a larger production here. Like I don't know that they. I don't know how much of this. I'd be curious to know. But they're arguably not the most important thing. I mean, their voices are great. But the one thing I would say would argue against that, which I'm not saying. It, you're not. You're wrong. I'm just saying. And I'm not that, sure either. Right. That John Phillips arranged this song in such an excellent way. The production may not be the most. His arrangement may be the most important part of the song. And if that's, that's the case, no, he may have true. just heard this song and been like, "I really like this this song that's been released twice and like charted in the top 100 both times. I think I could do something different with it." So that's the possibly. my girl that's and twi- the my girl and twist and shout, which you can't really do much different with because they're just amazing songs. That sounds more like a label thing to me of like, hey, put these out there so, you know, people want to hear your version of My Girl Could or whatever. Be. Nobody knew yeah, this yeah. song. Because the arrangement is big. Yeah. But yeah. those, yeah, the, the same production did not go into those songs as, as well, this. Well, those well, songs, so it's hard to mess can... with a song that's so good. It's hard to mess with a song yeah. that's so iconic. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Well, I guess they heard this one there like and heard some things that they could uh, right. turn up. Yeah, and uh, well, actually, again, even against that, I, well, I imagine no. I, it's just the dynamics. Like if if those Motown, if the the five inch Royals <laughs> or the Shirelles would have done this with the same dynamics, it would yeah. have been so badass. It would have been amazing. Like that guitar playing on this. this I, I don't know if it'd work. It would. Work. You don't, it work. You don't. The guitar playing gets in the way of the melody. That's the yeah. part that clutters it up. Come on. That's why we don't like it as much. What were they on Atlantic? What label were they on? Uh, they, I do not know. This was released on Dunhill, huh. which I I know it's a cigarette brand. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I don't know. It's possible, but but you're right. It maybe the arrangement <laughs> may be the thing. But the thing is, I don't think they could play this song without the wrecking crew behind them. Like I don't think they're capable of playing this song on their own. Which makes well, me wonder. Yeah, and like I said, I I couldn't find a video where they. They, I could not imagine them pulling this off live. So speaking of playing it, hearing it, as we get into the vibe time of this podcast, I'm still not comfortable. I'm still not comfortable with that name. I'll just be clear about that. So, uh, so Jonathan, when do you want to hear this song? I mean, honestly, I think that's why this song's so good. It doesn't even really matter when I hear it. It's just gonna make it cool because it's such a cool song. I mean, I could be washing dishes and be happier that the song is on or i could be i mean really it's just it makes any moment better it's a tough song to just put on at any time i think the best time is when you're on a road trip with your lady and you just bust this out like she gives you the phone like play something 
Oh, that's nice. I, 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 I like both of those. I mean, I was thinking more of like, because it has such a Southern California sound of on the beach, but not like a crowded beach. You know, like when you're when you're with when you're with your partner and you're on the beach just having like a, a day or whatever. And and this and you, you play this and you're just like, hell yeah. Or or before bed. Uh yeah, <laughs> keeping no, with the, that's a, that's keeping a, with very, the lullaby. It's very lullaby. I, I love you. You're so lullaby focused here. I dig it. Like what's <laughs> know, what, what, what's the most lullaby is it just the phrasing of the, it? I got the eye on that lullaby prize tonight. Buddy. I don't like anything about what you just said. Well, it's talking about bed and going to sleep and praying. <laughs> but I mean, so you know what I mean? You know what it makes me think of? That, that's why I was curious about if they toured or not, because it sounds like a musician on the road thinking about someone back home. Yes, yes, oh, I sure. think that's I think that's kind of what it is. I mean, but I don't know if but I don't know if they ever toured. So I just I, I don't know if it's yeah. Well, it's not a an they didn't thing. write it. So <laughs> I I don't think I don't think they're as well known now as they were. Even twenty years ago, though, I think they're they're one of those bands that is falling further and further uh, into the yeah. dustbin of history. Um, <laughs> the dustbin. Uh, as we slide <laughs> under the influence, oh, Jonathan. I mean, we've already talked about the Beach Boys and Motown. I got you. It's somebody who's of the same era. Who honestly, I might like the song I'm about to name more than this one. Uh, and it's of the same ilk of the same era. Never my love by the association Ooh. is a ridiculously good song. That's that. It's da, a great da, call. Da, 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 Never da, my love. And the harm the harmonies are incredible, and the electric piano. Well, because it's a cover, it's it's tough to dive too much into the influence. But I think this is just a great example of just the evolution of folk music and just a bunch of hippies doing Motown produced very well. A, For sure, is a very good call. <laughs> I'm just gonna clap back at that because this is not Motown. Um, this is just '50s R&B that they're taking and making something, making it better. Another song that, like, that, you know, just the harmonizing reminds me of is "Helplessly Hoping" a little bit, and then something even more recent would be something like "The Head and the Heart" or "Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros." Just in terms of not necessarily, I don't I really have a song comp. But just that's in terms a, that's of that's a reach. That's a reach. It's yeah. a reach, but it's just <laughs> no. I get it. I it's get a reach, it. but just something more recent that <laughs> yeah, even no, like well, just, resembles well, just this. Well, just so heartfelt. So it's heartfelt. Like if you took I, all I the get, worst parts, it's of, more the sentiment of that band than the sound. For right, sure, yeah. for sure. But it's a and, decent and, comp. It's the closest. Yeah. I yeah. And so I mean, I know we've we've been we've been under the covers this whole time. Uh, we've but, been dipping and diving. <laughs> Wait, we've been we've been exploring our, ourselves <laughs> under the covers this entire time, but we've been exploring the, the, we've been exploring we've been, ex- we've been exploring five inches of love this entire time <laughs> under the covers. Five but, inches of royalty, <laughs> but royalty, but, uh, royalty. But there were other covers after the ones we discussed. <laughs> no, Hard times at the five inch royale. That's what it is right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you guys got for covers? I got. I got. I mean, I this a is a cover. Yeah. So. Okay. So. I mean, um, th- there's Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Not. Uh, it's too cute. It doesn't have the swag or the or the cool musical touches. Exactly. Yeah. The vocals are yeah. are good though. And Wilson Phillips? No. Nothing. No. no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Real quick, oh. Leon Bridges did a. Just not the full song, but did this at the 2015 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction of the Shirelles, I believe. 
No, so he actually no no he did it at the Hall of Fame induction of the five Royals. Oh, so Wilson Phillips, that's like of that's John their kids, and Michelle yeah. Phillips, right? Just to be clear, just yeah. just to tie that in. I'm not sure if we were. Uh, Someday you know, somebody's gonna Brian turn around Wilson's. and make you wanna say goodbye. Oh my God! Tell him, baby, <laughs> gonna make me turn around and say, Next "Don't you know? Week don't you know? Things will change. Things will go Johnny's way. Oh, you right. wait. So if you hold on, on, one more day. All right, sorry, go. I've never been so impressed and depressed at the same time. There is, there's a version <laughs> by the Tim Priest. It's just, it's too much. It, it's, it's, it's too much. Just over the top. It's over the top. Why would you record this song now? It's ridiculous. It's like, I'm going to make Raiders of the All Star. Well, no, no, this it's was like, from why? the. The Temperies did it in the 70s. So it was kind of like. But even then, it's just like, when, this song's done. Like, it's just. It, this is now, it's like trying to do My Girl. But it was probably like Gloria Jones do it, redoing her uh, uh, this Tainted Love in the 70s. Just like, let's do it. Yeah, except let's that song it. was like, big. Once it's perfected, once it's perfected, sure, you don't sure. mess with it anymore. So Johnny does the shoe fit. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, it, it fits. It's just a great song. It feels like it fits like some old '60s boots or some sandals or something. I think it fits like a like a chucka boot. Like a, oh, you guys in the boots? Nah, man. I mean, well, I'm just talking about like the <laughs> desert boot, the hippie boot, like the it's a gold kind of suede rubber bottom, like an boot. ankle boot, like a. And the, yeah, and it wears out pretty quick. I must say, like. This song during the week, as we as I was trying to listen to it to prepare for this, uh, it kind of it started giving me nightmares a little bit. Like I wake <laughs> up in the morning and be like, "Life can never be exactly you just have like some, you That's what I would come into in my boxing match right there. Life can never be exactly, exactly. the Marilyn Manson version you or something. You want it to be, and then I can be satisfied. <laughs> Well, also that the jug band piano is almost a little nightmarish. But what's that? The Muppet Band? What's that? It's called the Muddy River Bottom Band or something like that. That was and you said almost all those words, not exactly in that <laughs> order. After going, life can never be, and I was like, this is very Jim Henson. <laughs> Muppets is me. <laughs> okay, okay. I would say I would say the shoe fits like a comfortable bedroom slipper or uh, like a like a. Footprints left in the wave-washed wave oh sand. Are you um, talking about the uh, Jesus footprints? I'm talking, talking about. I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about. I'm talking about Neolithic talking about footprints. footprints? He's talking, I'm talking footprints. about. I'm talking about the footprints they find surrounded by mastodons. Not a shoe. Footprints. This song is the sunset, or the sunrise. Darkest hour for the dawn. The song fellas. is the sunset of this podcast. Is what the song is at this point. <laughs> this is the darkest hour. This has become the darkest hour of the podcast. <laughs> and on that note, thank you for listening to Podgave Rock and Roll. To you, we are going to play a version of the Five Royales dedicated to the one I love. While I am far away from you, my baby. I know it's hard for you, my baby Because it's hard for me, my baby And the darkest hour is just before the dawn Each night before you go to bed, my baby Whisper a little prayer my baby and tell 
you just heard was performed by josh bond and neil marsh thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you um if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate on uh, itunes or spotify or wherever you listen if you'd like to reach out to us uh, you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod gave rock um next week is jonathan's week what are we going to be talking about we are talking about oh i'm sorry we are going to talk about dave matthews 1996 song crash into me Baby, can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>